What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story, everyone's story matters. What's your story? As always, I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and boy, are you in for a treat today. I am excited. It's my honor and privilege to welcome my friend, Jonathan Randall Grant. Jonathan, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. How's yeah. it going, man? It's been, we were just talking before we got going, like, this is kind of our first time really kind of... I don't know, getting to know each other in some ways. Like we've been around the same circles, but it's uh I don't know, I just don't remember. That was like, like a decade ago. I know, it's been so long. And I I always get the feeling that like it was a very particular time in both of our lives. Ooh, yeah. So we're probably completely different people. Or you know, like we were more fully ourselves now than we were then. I would like to hope so. I'd like to think <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. Like I yeah. So we first met, I mean, we ran around the same circles as in like one of my former podcast guests in the Bethel Boys series, Tyler, your brother. So I feel like that's probably like the time we've met at your house um, with the with the Bethel Boys, old Sam and Tony and Calvin, and those guys. And we were both always crashing at their house. Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good times. Yeah, and we always, like, I mean, we've, yeah, we just, like, we've been around each other, we've talked to each other, we've, you know, we know each other, but, like, I don't know Jonathan Grant. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And the thought, and the, the plot thickens. Um, no, I wanted to, I, I kind of, so what I do with most of my guests is I go on Facebook, kind of look through, like, the about you section and kind of write down some things and um i like i remembered a few different things you went to paris with the um resident and what was it called the resident i was the artist in residence at the american church in paris yeah yeah that sounds awesome i want to talk about that for sure (laughs) um i would call you like a creative you're an artist you've always been that like creative type person, that person that's like um, involved in, in the art scene. And would you call yourself an artist or what, what do you? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that fits. I just never know. Like, do you call people like, you know what I mean? Like I asked. Oh yeah. Uh, and some people shy away from I, that. Yeah. I know. I like, I had a, a guy on that. He's written, you know, a book and he's a writer. He writes every day. And I was like, I would call you a writer. And he was like, yeah okay i was like uh okay cool you know but i almost have like a different way of describing i mean and maybe this is similar for you but like i almost have a different way of describing myself and what i do depending on who i'm talking to depending Mm. on like the context and their connection with the different things that i'm up to so Yeah, yeah i feel like that makes sense you yeah i mean i i try not to anymore I guess I'm just kind of like, this is me, like, accept me or don't. But at the same time, like, there's definitely some, you know, you definitely adjust it and alter it a little bit for sure of like who you are, what you're up to and what you're doing. And yeah, it's true. Yeah. Like I, we went, Dana and my wife and I went to this thing this last weekend and, uh, 
you know, I was like independent business owner is like what I said, because it was like, you needed your occupation. I'm like, I don't know. What's my occupation right now? (laughs) You know, like this is what I'm doing full time. It's a business, but it's not, but it is. So I don't know. I just went with that. So you're right. Definitely adjust it. Um, you are, I, I saw that you are the creative director at culture keeper and anthro circus is that right yeah yeah which is actually the blog that i started about 12 years ago um that then kind of grew into i had a team of of about 12 people running and editing it um and actually they're just this fall launching their own publication so it was culture keeper and now kind of launching them into their own project, uh, Anthro Circus. So, which is really exciting. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to have been with them. I've kind of gotten busier and busier with other projects. So sure, it's kind of fun to, yeah, I'll still keep that as a backup, yeah. you know, for different projects and stuff. But um, yeah, they'll be launching their own thing this fall. So do you have much involvement now or are you just kind of like over like kind of overseeing kind of creative side of things or get pulled in? What's your, that, what would you call it, your role now? It, yeah, it started out as like, I mean, I was the one doing everything for it. And then as I mm-hmm. added team members, um, like I also kind of got busier with other things, especially yeah. once I moved back to the States. Sure. So yeah. It's the past couple of years I haven't been so involved with that, but cool, cool, yeah. And maybe more recently, or like the top of your your list is you're the communications manager at the Episcopal Charities. Yes, and that's which in, I just started in August. Yeah, and it's in Chicago, correct? Yeah, awesome. Uh, and it's really exciting because that's the organization that funds twenty different nonprofits around Chicago. So. And, wow. like, trains and equips their, like, teams and boards. So, That's so cool. basically, every cool, like, social justice or grassroots effort that's happening in Chicago is yeah. in some way, like, connected to um, wow. to us. Like, what we're doing and what we're, you know, kind of gathering the funds and making sure that it gets to the people who, who are making the change. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. What, how so, did a lot you... of cool stories to tell. Yeah. How did you get plugged in with that? Um, one of the projects when I, so I've been in Chicago a year and a half and about, uh, about a, almost a year into my time in Chicago, I got connected with, um, a nonprofit here that provides chaplains to the public hospitals. Okay. Um, which like some of the, the hospitals are the hospitals that receive more violent, uh, more like gun wounds. Mm. than any hospital in the states and yet there's no public there's no chaplains there so like this charity provides chaplains to those hospitals and um so yeah yeah, i ran social media for them for a year and then they couldn't you know keep funding that position but the organization that funds them said like let's see what we can do so yeah that's awesome it's cool to be able to like even in a business way um, be adjacent to the things I cared about in faith yeah. communities and social justice and creative because I'm producing photo shoots still and I'm yeah you know designing and yeah you still get to like 
hit the high points and be like at the top of your creative skills but yeah but still plugged in and and involved in like a a business way in some ways that's cool totally yeah and your background you went you went to asbury college or asbury university right and you studied history (laughs) yep history and public relations and then art history yeah and i was at uc berkeley for a while for for um for archaeology nice that's cool is that so this is maybe the time when I kind of met you is like it around that time or a little before or a little after that maybe A little after that cuz I think about the time I met you Yeah. I had graduated I had been in France for my internship. Mm. I'd moved to Kentucky to work for a gallery for a little bit. That's right. I remember and Kentucky. then like was like I think I need to go back to South Bend but I don't really know why. Yeah. It was actually like one of the lowest points of my life. Mm, we've all been there. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh man! And you, what you were you were a student at Bethel? Yeah, I went to Bethel. Um, like my, a junior, maybe. Probably. So I I grad technically graduated 2010. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it'd have been like nine years ago. So it'd have been like junior, yeah, it'd have been around that time, like ten years ago, about a decade. Like we were mentioning before, you, yeah, I just I remember the Kentucky. I remember you going out there. I feel like that was like part of I don't know. Like we just crossed paths like randomly at, uh, and it would have been like junior senior year of of like me being at Bethel. Um, that we'd have really kind of ran into each other and you would like more so cross paths where you were kind of staying at the house for a bit and, um, at your parents' house before whatever your next thing was. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then go on. Oh yeah. And then maybe after you graduated, well, cause I lived with then two of your roommates or like Sam yeah, and Sam and Matt, Sam right? and Matt I lived with. Yeah after that but then did you move away yeah i went to well i went to um so 2010 straight out after college i went to haiti for a couple months and then i went out to invisible children and i stayed out in san diego at invisible children uh till uh just the i mean basically 2013 uh january 2013 so and then from there I, i moved straight out to Minnesota, where I then lived with Sam and Matt. So, yeah, right. for like six months and then uh, moved to, into my own little place with some, some other roommates and still lived in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Well, it was technically St. Paul. And, uh, yeah, met my wife there and she brought us to Florida. So I'm currently living in South Florida, Coconut Creek, Florida. Yes, awesome. Yeah, right? Crazy. Never thought I'd be here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jonathan, man, um, I'm like searching for, honestly, like if I'm, I'm straightforward, like I'm kind of searching for where to begin. Why don't, why don't we go like all the way back and what was childhood like for you? What was like life growing up for you? Um, childhood was magical. Yeah, and I'm I'm an Enneagram seven, so I'll probably like a lot focus on the positives. But cool, yeah, that's fine. Um, 
I think yeah, I'm a, I, had... I did this test recently. I'm like, uh-huh. it technically they told me or the test told me I was a two. Um, uh-huh. But Janelle, one of my former podcast guests, <laughs> and you know who Janelle is, she like sent yeah. me some stuff. And I'm like, I really resonate with four. So I need to read the books and stuff and kind of get a little bit better grasp on things. But like two, I yeah. guess, like two was like, yeah, that's me. But then four was like, nah, that's like, oof. So I don't know exactly what all that means yet, but. <laughs> and then look for the connections between two and four, because sometimes okay. there's, yeah, a connection, another number that connects them. And that's a good indicator of. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta look into that. I've, <laughs> I've been wanting to do this. It's funny because, you know, we did, I did the podcast with Janelle and we got off and we've been talking and she's actually been kind of uh, collaborating, kind of helping out with things around here with Crazy Face Uno and, um, you know, she was just asking about that or she mentioned it. And I was like, man, I've been wanting to do this, like take that test for like a year. And so like, I got off that podcast with her and I was like, I just got to do this. Like, there's no reason not to do it right now. So I just took the <laughs> test and I'm surprised we didn't make you do it 10 years ago. I know. Right. I Maybe I have, who knows, man, it's hard to tell. No, I've done a <laughs> lot of those like personality tests or those like different, like, uh, tests like those, but I don't, I don't feel like I ever did it until like just now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited though. Cause like there's so many different people that really love it and, you know, connect with it. And I feel like it's a, I love like self-discovery and kind of like discovering myself anyway. So yeah, like, understanding and being like, Oh yeah, that makes total sense. And that was one of the reasons that she kind of brought it up was like Mio is kind of like wanting to improve myself and always like trying to be the best version of myself as I can be. And, um, so she was like, there's tons of like, things that you can use or like utilize through their, you know, totally. the different things that they like the numbers and whatnot. So I was like, cool, no reason, but the present let's do it. So, yeah, it's a, t- it's a really good tool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. your Ch- childhood. childhood was magical. I love that description. Yeah. Really like close family, really close extended family, mm-hmm. lots of creativity, parents yeah. who who invited us to question everything around us and mm-hmm. um even when i mean i was a kid who was like making little documentaries to <laughs> save the woods behind the house or like protesting them tearing down buildings yeah i haven't i have an enneagram eight wing for my sevenness nice. uh which no means like <laughs> i cannot let injustice go Okay. If there is something wrong, I'm like, we're gonna stop that. Mm. So, um, it's a good trait. Yeah, to that have, was or good pretty strong thing. when I was little. Yeah. Where do you think that came from? This is a question I love and like I'm really interested in. So many people like there's so many different answers, but that like empathy, you know, I feel like it's like empathy is is rich. It's like definitely a, a piece of that type of mentality, but. I don't know, like, where, where do you think that, was it innate within you? Was it something you were born with? Was it something you, like, learned at a young age? Totally something I was born with because my parents were baffled by it. Okay. And it was often frustrating, like, yeah. I would, you know, I would, I protested Japanese classes because <laughs> I watched a documentary about how all of these dolphins had been murdered. And <laughs> instantly I was a dolphin rights advocate and i wouldn't go to japanese class and i wouldn't eat tuna and i was like (laughs) um 
protesting everything and i wouldn't i wouldn't go fishing with everyone and things like that so um yeah i think they were a little baffled some (laughs) you know they were able to like invite me you know help me channel that yeah in other ways and sometimes they were like okay do that and sometimes they were like "Mm, that's inconvenient (laughs) for us so let's tone that down yeah but um yeah and i was always in spaces in which I had a lot of privilege. So kind of even in my church growing up yeah. uh, and in my school, like if if there was something that I found in unjust or, or wrong, I could talk to my pastor. I could talk to my principal. Mm. Even as a like eight-year-old, I could be like, I think this is stupid. And here's why. <laughs> I, wrote a, I wrote a book about it for yeah. you. <laughs> I'd like hand it to them. Uh-huh. Um, and... My grandmother was a pianist. All of my family was musical, so I grew up yeah. piano lessons from an early age, constantly singing. I would sit in my tree and sing for, like, hours. Sure. I was, like, very imaginative. And I had parents that, like, very much encouraged reading and music and yeah. imagination yeah. in ways that was really powerful. So Cool. Yeah. That's and what I think of when I think of my childhood. That's awesome. Wait. At what point in time, like, was school, did you, did you, like, go through school? Was that an environment that was, um, like, welcoming to, to the arts and to, like, your style? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like very much. Did you go to public school? Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The public school that my grandmother and grandfather had also gone to. That's um, a fun fact. Yeah, just a few blocks away. So we all, we've been in the same little like enclave for, for since the twenties. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Yeah, it was cool to have that connection. And even when I go back to that neighborhood, you know, at the grocery store, I'll run into someone who, you know, my great grandfather cut was the first person to cut their hair. Yeah. Or, um, you know, it's just it's nice to cool. still have that connection to a place and be known and. Yeah. When did yeah, you Yeah, I loved elementary school. When did you know you wanted to go like to Asbury or you went to uh where was it in where was it the first school you went to? Oh, to Asbury, yeah. And, um but you went to and then you you studied history there, but you studied archaeology first, correct? Oh, no, second. Second. Yeah, okay. At UC Berkeley. Okay. Um, UC Berkeley. Well, my parents kind of shot down all my first choices. Okay. Um What were your first choices? <laughs> well do you remember first i wanted to go study in france and they kind of shut that down yeah because they kind of knew i would never come back <laughs> yeah um and then also there was a program you know there were a few other programs and i kind of i don't know i would i'm more collaborative than my brother for instance so with with my parents when they were like we're gonna take you to schools what schools and i would list them and they'd be like well okay not those but how about these and i'd be like okay and kind of go with it whereas he's just gonna like say this is i got into a school this is where i'm going yeah um so yeah i kind of they wanted me to go to a christian school and that's what they had done so that's kind of what i assumed i would do and my cousins and aunt and uncle had all gone to asbury and at the time, I was really interested in the classics and yeah. Latin, and I was doing a lot of Latin in 
in choral music and was very intrigued in like eventually teaching Latin um, and the classics. So I, um, Asbury had a great program for that. So that's kind of what drew me there. And it wasn't, I mean, within my first year, I kind of realized like I'm actually shit at languages <laughs> and I and I and I grew up in a family that like discussed history like it was like mm. it happened was happening currently or like yeah. people who were dead a thousand years were like our friends and you know lived down the street so studying history just kind of made sense for me um and also anthropology which is why the like archaeological part and the art history part yeah and the study of cultures and people it was kind of all woven together for me so it still informs a lot of the work i do yeah absolutely i mean history and art they they really go hand in hand you know when you go into whether it's whatever like city you know paris it's like the some of the most beautiful buildings and you know whatever there's still like just such beautiful pieces of art that are iconic within the cities. So they definitely go hand in hand and in art history, totally. you know, being a part of that. Um, how, how do you feel like your college years kind of shaped who you are today? I feel like that was such a big part of my life. Um, college and, you know, I, I went to Bethel, um, as your brother did and mm-hmm. Bethel now university, Bethel college, now university. And, you know, it's one of the, I just took a survey from Bethel recently. They sent me this like email. It was like, what do you think is the most like thing you took like as an alumni? Like, what do you think the most, like, what was the biggest thing that you took from your experience? And it was like your academics, your education, your religion and spirituality or whatever it was. And then it was like friendships and your like your relationships or I don't know, whatever, mentoring and relationships or however they worded it. But I was like, relationships for sure. You know, like that was the the people that I met and the relationships I built there have 100% shaped a, a big chunk of who I am today. And, and um, you know, from, I, I, this keeps coming up, but like Derek Griffey was one of the ones that, you know, made me ask the question of why I believe the things I believe, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, to the books I read, to the things I studied, you know, I, I was a youth ministry major at, at Bethel. So, and I got to my junior year and I was like, well, shit, like now what do I do? Cause that's not what I want to do. You know, like, I don't want to be a youth ministry major, but here we are. So, um, to, you know, to, to now and, and some of those relationships and those friendships, though I'm not as close with everyone that I met there they just, they shaped so much and allowed me to, to have the conversations I feel like that I needed to have at that time to, to be the the man and be the person that I am today. Um, I, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. If I could go back, would I go to Bethel? Yeah, maybe not. But <laughs> like, but at the same time, like if it, if it allowed me to, to learn the lessons that I, that I've learned, I don't, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't want to miss out on those friendships and those relationships that I built there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I feel, I feel similarly, especially about Asbury that, um, it's not like anything happened there that hadn't already been going on in my life before. Mm. Like, 
but the way in which it escalated those things um for instance like i've always grown up in circles where people were discussing history and culture and theology and the arts and analyzing things in deep and meaningful ways sure um but like putting that basically on steroids for four years made it into a piece of who I was officially. Sure. And um, also like even as a kid in some ways, and then in high school I was on, I started to be on a lot of committees and panels and student council and stuff like that. And um, in college at Asbury, we had so many opportunities um to do that in a way that was very professional okay um to be on committees with the president of the school and to um to learn how board meetings work and how yeah. fundraising's done and how galas happen and how mm. um and how i worked i also worked in the pr office so like how does public relations work and yeah. how does um what are best practices in business and mm. in culture and in church and nonprofit spaces and yeah so i think in many ways like i was kind of groomed into being a professional and i think that's often a piece that is missing in the educational sphere is i would agree i mean other than mentorship is like we finish college and some of us feel like oh i have a degree but i don't feel uh qualified mm-hmm. you know yeah, so to yeah, be able yeah. to walk out of college and 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 then like you said like all of the all of the relationships so those yeah. are still some of my closest friends and still a lot of my career and success in life is based on the connections i made in college which is maybe yeah. the whitest thing i can think of <laughs> I, I mean, I can't say that I'm far far behind that comment, and I'm also agree with you that it's probably one of the widest things I could say. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you 100. I think that there's like a a missing piece for sure in the like education world of just kind of that real world experience, which it sounds like you got more of than than maybe most in some ways because. You know, when I when I went to Invisible Children, I feel like Invisible Children was like trial by fire. You, you like got thrown in. If you were competent mm. and you like you were if you took initiative and you took the leadership, like took the lead on something, they were like, all right, go for it. You know, which is awesome, which is not something you find in a lot of work environments where it's like you kind of need to have the the experience, the background to before they like cut you loose. But invisible children they really like recognized strengths and allowed you to go man that's something you're you seem to be pretty good at like go for it let's see what you can do oh awesome and which is which is awesome you know it's allowed you to see you know meetings behind closed doors you know like that you wouldn't uh, a transparency within the staff that was um you know really valuable and like i would love to to understand the workings of a board meeting, you know, um, you know, although I, I would say that I'm, I'm pretty business savvy and I, and I understand things a lot. I would still say like 
man, a, a, an example or, or being able to have that experience in like a PR, especially nowadays with the way technology is and, and everybody is your own brand in some ways. You know, we, we kind of totally. mentioned that before, you know, we got going, but it was just like, your own brand is, is your own thing nowadays and knowing how to conduct yourself in some ways or what the standard is. And you don't have to stick to those plans. You don't have to stay with the status quo necessarily, but to understand how that's perceived in a business sense in a business world. And, um, it's a whole, yeah. Lot- and Tyler, Tyler and I talk about frequently that like my, even the group of friends that I had at Asbury, mm-hmm. I mean, in contrast with like how much, I mean, we still were mischievous like you guys, but yeah. like, um, I mean, even when we came in, like some of them already had thriving online retail businesses mm. or design practices, like as freshmen wow. in college, yeah. um, we're already earning considerable incomes and we're the kind of, like my friends were the group of people who wore blazers and heels and dresses and suits and for fun. Yeah. And so there was a little more of that mood at Asbury and also in my friend group was very like, we're going to conquer the world, like look out. Yeah. Which is cool. Do you feel, (laughs) do you feel like, I mean, I, I feel super naive about my like college years, even sometimes with, even with what I'm doing now, I'm like, man, I, today was actually a little rough for me to be completely honest. If I, if I'm being Mm -hmm. vulnerable, like my wife came home and she's like, how was your day? And I'm like, honestly, like I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. Like I have a lot of dreams. I have a lot of big goals and like ambitions and I have no idea what I'm doing in, in so many ways, you know, like I don't, I know that I have to take one step in front of the other, but sometimes I get a little more paralyzed with like, all right, what is the next step? You know, like what, what's the, what, what makes the most sense? And, um, you know, that it, it's some, what is the word naivety naivety uh, mm-hmm. you know some 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 of that that comes out for sure i'm confident i'm i'm not going to quit i'm not going to give up I'm, i i want to pursue this this is something that i'm very like passionate about you know this project and um crazy face uno and and i i really truly believe that you know this is this is something worth pursuing um but it's yeah. it's a lot sometimes, and it's scary, and I, I I can get caught up in that. And I look back into college days, and man, I had no idea. It's interesting as I've done this podcast, you know, and I've had a lot of friends from college days. I've had friends from my Invisible Children days, and a lot of the college days, you know, type friends. They're all like, "Yeah, you guys were always like pushing the boundaries, and you guys were always like." You know, like I really looked up to you guys or whatever. And it's like, man, I didn't see that when I was that when I was in it, you know, like I had no idea. Like I have no idea. Perspective for me has is like a word that just keeps like ringing in my head. Perspective, perspective, perspective from my own perspective of what I am now to what I'm doing now to who I am now to what people think of of me, who I am. Um, You know, a lot of my insecurities come out through that. Um, and it's something that I've like challenged myself with for sure. Um, but even like, I had no idea what people's perspective of what we were doing then was, or even is now in some ways, you know, and it's, you know, you use the words like 
we weren't as mischievous as you guys. And it's like, it's funny. Cause like, yeah, we were, we were mischievous. Like that was totally like, we pushed the boundaries at every like corner. You know, if you were, if you were, I don't know, we just didn't, we didn't settle for the status quo and we didn't settle for, for anything. We were like, no, nah, we we're, but we were together in it, you know? And we were a team. We were, we were a cohesive group in some ways. And yeah, we all had our different views and different perspectives and, that's the beauty of things now when I look back and as we were able to get together for the first time in almost a decade, you know, this, this last summer and seeing it where everybody's at now. And man, for the most part, everybody's hearts are, are right there, but we're just such different people today too. And I love that we're able to look at that and go, you're such a different person and I still love you and, yeah. and still pick up right where we left off still care about the other person. It was almost as in the sense that like that time apart was necessary for us to find ourselves and to figure out because we almost like leaned on each other too much, you know, but I don't know. I'm all over the place here with, with this little rant that I'm on, but yeah, (laughs) perspective and, um, being naive in like ambitions. I don't know. And the crazy thing about that is that like about, being driven towards something and wanting something and is you know like if literature has taught us anything it's that it's very feasible to get there and realize Mm. that that wasn't what we want or yeah that we had what we want it's not where i saw this go that conversation or that like part going and you're so right (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know you're right i mean because i yeah i'm also like very driven like i wake up in the morning and i the first thing i'm like i have so much to accomplish in my life Mm. and i just can't turn that off and and yet like every day i have to just calm the fuck down yeah right like i have everything i want i have everything i need i just need to be present and look around me and exactly see what's around me um because otherwise I'll I'll waste my life wanting to accomplish something specific or I mean almost spend- in, and for me it's like it's a fear of not accomplishing what I want to 100% you know yeah. versus like the the positive side of things where it's like pursuing something it's like the fear of like it's like my own ego like legitimately like it's my well, own but ego. also also partnered with kind of theology we grew up with because we grew up with a theology of like if you do slightly the wrong thing Mm. you will miss out on that huge thing that god wanted wanted you to do yeah and the difference between accomplishing that thing and not is minute yeah and the thin um, arrow yeah and i think a lot of us who struggle with i mean it's almost it's almost sometimes a debilitating fear of like doing the exact right thing because we really oh yeah 100%. we really want to make the most out of our life and we really want to do the very best thing and, and you forget it, to live in the moment a hundred percent yeah and that's where i feel like i'm like i'm at in some ways like i'm so afraid of like instead of just embracing like and enjoying this, like this is, 
it's a journey, you know, and I have the support from my, my, my family. I mean, uh, not just my wife, but like my mom, my dad, and, you know, I have a close family as well, like, like you do. And, um, you know, like I, my family supports me 100%. My wife supports me 100%. Like she's financially backing our life right now, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and honestly, like the money that goes out into, crazy face Uno right now she's financially backing because she's financially backing me you know so like she's the one that comforts me and was like we got this like it's okay like you've got this like keep going you know like i believe in you like this is worthy Mm -hmm. like this is worth pursuing and and even even with that even with that support like what is what is why is there so much questioning you know And, and i do question i really do look at my faith background, my religious background and go, man, you really fucked me up, you know? And and (laughs) like so many ways, as many tools as it gave us, it also gave us some baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like, I, I don't know where you're at with that, but like, man, yeah. Like I, I've, I don't know. Yeah. Like I, for sure. There's like been so many tools and so many things I'm grateful for. And, and the mind that I've been able to, to have and like, the upbringing and the, the values and the character as to who I am, you know, like it's so much rooted in, um, you know, that, that time of my life for sure. But there's so many insecurities. I feel like that come, like we were talking about, you know, like that, that kind of come out in a lot of ways because of, um, that like pursuit of being good and first, like, just living <laughs> you know? yeah yeah I, I constantly go back to the to mary oliver and i don't know if you're familiar the poet mary oliver yeah i'm familiar with her and the the line that she has in wild geese where she says like you do not have to be good you do not have to mm. to crawl on your knees repenting like that yeah. idea of, that yeah you just get to you just get to be and it's actually being in French culture has been therapeutic in that way too, because they even, even the, the language okay. has the phrase être, like to be. Mm. And there is more, I found like being in that culture helped, helped me start the process of freeing from like my value is in what I do and accomplish yes. and each day to I'm, just i am like i just get to be and i that's enough and even dismantling i mean dismantling a lot of the really negative monetary language around value Mm. and yeah yeah and i've came face to face with that through this you know and and whatnot for sure just Mm. i mean i don't i don't know like there's a there's something deeply rooted within me that wants to provide, you know, and be that provider. And, uh, you know, it's been something that I've have to like relinquish and I have to, I have to, I have to lay that at my feet, you know, to use a a more like Christianese kind of phrase, but like, I have to lay that down like daily sometimes, you know, where I'm like, all right, you know, like my, again, my wife supports, she's, she's on board, you know, she would, we're a team. She has no problem voicing 
when she disagrees. So like we've had this conversation. She's told me she would tell me if she had a problem with it and she doesn't and she's willing and able and and wants to and um you know, I have to just accept that and go, all right, this is where we're at. Now I have to make the most of, you know, my time and my, and yeah. I put that undue stress on myself sometimes to be like, ah, oh, man, like I gotta like still, that's where I like transfer that, that feeling though, is to like, I have to be the best steward of my time and my energy and, and what I'm doing throughout the day. And there is an element of that, right? Like for sure, 100%. Like I, but I, I think that I have to be careful and be gracious with myself as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a balance. Mm-hmm. So let's get off of me because I feel like this has gone into like therapy for Shane here. But um, you've you've touched on France and, and Paris and kind of your experience there. What were some of your big takeaways? Like, what did what were some of the things you were like really proud of doing there? And um, you know, what are some of the things you learned? Like, what what, what was your experience in at the artist in residence and the American church in Paris? Oh yeah. So my time in Paris, yeah, I mean, off and on for 12 years. Um, I was, oh, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, part of the time with that gallery, um, Part of the time as artist in residence at the American Church, mm-hmm. um, directing shoots for fashion magazines and brands. Yeah, um, working with different bloggers and creatives. Yeah, and so a kind of balance between like work in churches and work in the fashion world, mm-hmm. which I've, you know, I early on I tried to find ways to like merge those two, and it just it proved that those are just separate things. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so sure. my work with churches has looked a lot like does painting commissions for them, so altarpieces or murals or stations, and then a lot of consulting around LGBTQ inclusion or mm-hmm. creativity, hosting retreats and workshops for artists. Yeah. Some of the same things I was doing actually when I knew you. Yeah. Back in the day, um, and that just kind of happened organically because that's not my training. Um, and then working in fashion, like I would do, I would produce shoots. So working with a, with a magazine, make a mood board, pull together a team of photographers, models, work, pull from different designers. Um, so it'd kind of be followed a rhythm off and on of, I'd go to Istanbul for a month. I search for locations. I pull together, I meet with different designers and some of them will, you know, I pull from their collections or they make a specific piece for the shooter. So I followed that kind of pattern and then come back to the States for the summer and do like workshops and work with churches here. And it was always kind of a touch and go, like, will I have enough money? Will this work? Like, yeah, you know, often people supporting my work uh who wanted you know who were wanted to see the work with churches move forward and who wanted to see churches make some movements as far as being spaces of creativity or inclusion um so a lot of that and then kind of simultaneously as i was doing those things 
I started to have more conversations with my friends who were theologians and priests and uh, clergy and started to kind of realize that the space that I was holding in the fashion community was that of a chaplain, like running to people at fashion week and they spend three hours talking to me about their spiritual journey mm. and kind of processing that with me. And, yeah. and then I run into them a year later and we catch up about those things. So, um, it became clear that that's kind of the space that I was holding and I really wanted to do that faithfully and well, um, which started a process of discerning vocation in the Episcopal church to become a priest, Okay, which is now is currently like not something that I'm still exploring, but I'm still left with the like, okay, these are my people you know, artists, creatives, fashion community, LGBTQ community, like how do I care for them and how do I do that? Well, and, um, it's, you know, it's one of the great ironies of the church in America right now that there are more queer people going through seminary and being trained in these ways than there are churches. And so, that's cool. Or, you know, or even formal faith communities. So it's like, it's kind of like, here are all these like people, like what is, what's about to happen in the world? Mm, yeah. You know, here we are. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm kind of in a, in a space of like figuring out what it looks like to, to like live into the part of my vocation sure. without, without the permission of a formal institution. And without kind of the formal training that, um, yeah. that if I were straight, for instance, or less creative, sure, yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. I'm, if I'm honest, I would have access to. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah, currently exploring those things and caring for the people around me. That's awesome. What is the so you've mentioned the Episcopal Church several times, and that's obviously where you kind of work is through the Episcopal charities. Now what's some of their, like, you know, you and I grew up in this like Protestant Christian church. How does that relate? What is that? What is the Episcopal side of things? What does that mean? Mm. Um, That's my ignorance in a lot of ways. Like, I don't know exactly what the Episcopal to like, you know, the missionary church of Bethel college or, you know, the, whatever you know the protestant christian church that i grew up in or you know whatever that is so yeah one of the things um that growing up in the a fundamentalist evangelical christian setting that never made sense to me and if i'm honest to my family like my dad was always mm-hmm. struggling with this too um was that the, the evangelical fundamentalist um sect as a whole is not one that encourages you to show up with your intellect and uh, to like do deep intellect and thorough intellectual labor. And routinely I watched my grandparents and then parents feel frustrated and thwarted that, that those kinds of aspects of, of critical thinking were shut down. And in the sense of, if I, if you don't mind me interjecting, mm-hmm. is this in like the sense of like, challenging or questioning or or just asking questions even within like the doctrine of that but also the the 
doctrine of those um of that sect and you may you may have a different opinion on this is one that only functions in a circular way um so like we believe this because this and it's and you know it's kind of like yeah point a proves point b and we know that because point b proves point a and there's like no other they like it like proves itself and so there's no other um accountability intellectual accountability yeah 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 it's like you you, the i had a conversation earlier today this is my second podcast as i mentioned to you but one of the conversations i had with this gentleman um so when this podcast drops it'll be from from last week's podcast uh with david hayward um and we just talked about like it's the classic answer is like the answer is always like because the bible said so you know, right, it's that circular right. question and it's like, it's annoying. It's not like actually asking or answering questions. It's like, well, that's just because, you know, it's the, that's the, the rhetoric in some ways of like, well, I don't know, but that's because this is what it says. So like, <laughs> don't ask any more questions or, you know, whatever it is. And, and that was something that I, that honestly frustrated my father more than it frustrated me. Mm. The piece that I, uh, one of the pieces that drew me to the Episcopal church besides that piece, that it was a place of like one, you know, you're expected to, uh, when you come to a text or when you come to an idea or when you're expected to, to consider you to use your brain, you know, God gave you that. Yeah. Don't leave it at home. Um, along with, along with tradition Mm. and, I, that was a piece that resonated with me strongly as a kid. It was, it never made sense to not give the past a vote and to not, uh, and, and, and the fact that we were worshiping like the past didn't happen. Mm. And it wasn't that we grew up in traditions that weren't traditional, but they, they almost selected some traditions over others and did not, <laughs> uh, but didn't admit that they, you know, that they were doing this. Yeah. So there was a, there was a dishonesty. I, I mean, I feel now looking back, I, you know, I wasn't actively like this is, this is intellectually dishonest that we, you know, don't tell people why we prioritize some traditions over others or, mm. you know, there was like you know general mumbling about the pope, but nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I hear what so you're the saying. The church is a little more is is some variations of it are liturgical and some are very, you know, m- probably more familiar to with what you and I grew up with. But yeah, as a whole, it's it is more um, ecumenical, more open mm. to people of other traditions and faiths, and um, and yeah, I grew up in a tradition that and in a Bible church that where I was kind of grew up believing like, well, maybe Methodists aren't even Christians. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like you question <laughs> even the different like denominations within your own, like quote sect, you know, like you had mentioned, but yeah. Right. Even like, Let it's alone the, Catholics, yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Like Catholics were like the evil stepchild of the like Christian religion um, in so many ways. And, yeah, it's interesting. So, like, 
I don't because we haven't communicated. I've said this so many times on the podcast. It's like everybody's like we get it, but like I don't call myself a Christian anymore. So oh, okay. like yeah, yeah. So like this this conversation, like I I fully understand. I I you know this was the maybe even this conversation this morning that I had with David was really interesting because um you know just the he, he talked about how like it's so intertwined with within our who we are you know like my faith and in christianity and what i grew up believing and knowing is just so like it's this braided big knot in some ways it's just this like piece that's it's very much a part of who who i am as an individual you know like i you can't run away from it it's just who i am um, and I, and I hold on to so many of those different things and pieces and, um, and, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. You know, we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier as well, but I, it's just interesting when you look back and it, when you look at things differently, um, and you look at things from an outside perspective, I finally came back around where, you know, man, I, there was a long time, you know, you go through these different like phases of like, man, I was pissed and I was upset and I was angry and I was mm-hmm. sad and you know, whatever. And, and now I'm to the point where I'm like, man, it's not, it's not worth my time. You know, like I, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to be, I, I just think that like David talked about this, David Hayward on the podcast from last week. If you're listening now, um, you talked about being deeply united as one and one, you know, and like with humanity, with people, with with mm. the world. And like, that's like, and it, love really is the answer. And he's like, is it, I know he's like, I know it's so cliche and whatever, but I really agree with that, you know? And like, it's just, we're so, so deeply united as one. And you and I, there's so many more similarities and there are differences between you and I and humanity and people in general and to fixate on some of these like small things I just don't think it's necessary and I know that that's a it's not it's small but it's big as well you know and and yeah but I, I just think that focusing on how I can contribute to the world in a positive way is more important than fixating on um, you know, what, whether I'm saying the right thing, uh, and Sunday mornings or whatever that is, you know, and, uh, just loving people, empowering people, loving people, celebrating people. Um, and that's really, you know, a, a fundamental part of what crazy face, Uno is, is striving to be as well as empowering, loving and celebrating people. And, um, you know, everybody has a story and everybody's story matters. I, I just believe that. I think that this is, I don't know. I think that that is, I think it's important. I don't, I don't know. Kind of random. Strong, sounds like a very strong theology. <laughs> I think so. You know, yeah. uh, you know, it's, we're, we're rooted together and we're better together than we are apart. And, uh, you know, I think that, I love debating. I love talking. I love, you know, digging into like what people think and I'll play devil's advocate all day, all day long, you know, just, (laughs) just to kind of play both sides. Sometimes I see both sides. So 
we like to we like to paint the picture um, of the world and and of different sides and of different things as such a, like a black and white and and a right and wrong or yes and no or whatever that is you know but there's so it's so complex our life and our world is so complex and yeah. it it's it's not that simple and. <laughs> I think yeah that I can't I'm just now starting to appreciate how many times I argued with people passionately on subjects on which I am not an expert exactly yeah how much time have we all wasted having opinions rather than being curious yeah absolutely it's such a waste of energy and curiosity is my like has become my new mantra that mm. like someone tells me their opinion and I'm like, tell me more about that. Why do you feel that way? What makes you think that? Yeah. I, and I love that even like this podcast is, I mean, you're opening up to people's stories. So you're in essence saying like, tell me more. Why? I'm curious. Yeah. And that posture in the world like that to me, that's, that's the new healing posture. Mm, I agree. I hope that's I hope that's true. You know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I just hope that it is true. You know, like that that questioning and like that curiosity. Um, mm. You know, like it. I hope that that's real because I think it is important. And there's so many different viewpoints in, in this world and in this life. And, um, you know, and we can find our commonalities and find the things that we agree with and, and just love each other anyway. You know, you don't have to agree with it, but you can respect the person. You can give them dignity. You can love them. You can, you can, everybody deserves to be worthy of life and respect and love. And yeah. um, And I found it to be honestly too, the only way to engage uh, people who believe very terrible things. Hmm. That, like, I mean, I think we're all in very, everyone everyone feels the polarization that's happening now. Yes. I think it's it's a misnomer maybe to say it's an increasing amount of polarization, but we, we're certainly aware of it. Yeah. And, and therefore, in conversation with very people who are dear to us or were dear to us or we wish we're dear to us, like we're all, you know, entering these conversations and kind of, yeah, like you said, like to get to the bottom of the human human element yeah. of it, we kind of have to engage from a, from a point, a, a posture of curiosity. Yeah. Um, and that kind of de-escalates mm. people. I mean, people just want to be heard. Yeah. Known and seen and, yeah. And the human element, you know, and this is this is where sorry, bringing things back to like crazy face uno, but like that's where this is kind of the direction I want to take this is you know, it's story. There's this human connection, you know, technology is here. You know, we we're all, you know, the age-old criticism of like, man, everybody's like in their phones, everybody's texting, everybody's looking at their phone and blah blah blah. blah cool. Well, it's not going anywhere, you know? So, you know, like you can't really change the other person. This is, this is two separate thoughts here Two, one. You have to be in control of who you are. 
right? If you can try to convince somebody else, but like that's that's not something you're in control of. You you're not in control of someone else's opinion, someone else's thoughts, someone else's whether they're ignorant, whether they're brilliant, whether they're you know just whatever they are. You know, like you you can't control those. You can only control how you interact and how you control and how you behave as an individual. And so I think that if we start taking a little bit more responsibility for our own selves and stop pointing the finger and start looking at all these other like escape routes for whatever it is that's wrong in the world and what other these opinions that you disagree with and take responsibility for your own actions that I think that we'll be in, in a lot better place, you know, but people are almost afraid to like deal with their own shit sometimes. And so that's one thought. And then the other is like, yes, technology, there's, there's all these things. There's all these, like we, it's not going anywhere. It's, it's, it's here. And why not engage? Why not, you know, try to find a way to have this human element to hear other people's stories. If we're not sitting down across from each other and like actually engaging in conversation and, and understanding when was the last, you could be the, the like outlier, right? There's, there's some of my friends and some of the people that we know that are, that are special people and that actually take time out and to, to learn other people's stories. But I feel like this podcast is, has opened my eyes to the fact that like, I don't sit down with my, with my friends for an hour and a half and dig deep into their life and go, tell me your story. What's going on in your life? Mm. You know? And a lot of people that I talk with are like, yeah, I don't have this conversation with people. I wish I would do this more, you know, but this podcast is an environment. It's this place that allows these questions, allows these conversations. It's like, it's okay. You let down your guard. You have this like vulnerable, this authentic conversation Verse like if you're just going through life, you you go watch, you know, for me, it's like I go watch a football game or I go and, you know, do whatever and go to the bar and have a drink with somebody. But are you really asking them questions? It's just it's just this like banter back and forth. Are you getting to know them? Are you really getting to know them sometimes? Right. And, and I know that, again, we run around with some different people that we really do kind of engage and, you know, I could sit down with Tony and we could dig deep into his life and my life for hours upon times, you know? Um, but creating this environment where like, Hey, let's, let's interact with people. Let's learn about other people. Let's, let's learn our similarities. When you start telling your stories, there's a lot of things that you find that you're like, man, I really resonate with that. I never knew I resonated with Jonathan, you know, the way that I, that I, that I did, you know, we got a lot of similarities or, you know, whatever it is, it's like, oh, I really appreciated him saying that one little thing, you know, and you can take that into your life and, and use that for good. And I don't know. I think that there's just so much value in owning our own lives and like just finding those things that we have in common and, and using modern day technology and, and resources to to engage with people and to... Um, you know, dive deeper. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself in those conversations? Do you, I know you've got, you know, through your website, I de definitely checked out some of your, um, like art and faith, you know, your little short videos that you have. Um, those are really cool, by the way. Those are oh, really awesome you. of like how, 
you know, those conversations are like one of those like genuine conversations and authentic conversations that, um, I think that are important to have and, you know, very similar to some of the things that we we're striving to do here. But, um, do you find yourself in those conversations a lot of like digging into, you know, people's life and learning about them? Oh, I mean, that's, that's primarily what I do. I mean, I find yeah. most of my work, you know, whether as like a chaplain to the creative community or other is like one-on-one coffees with people. Yeah. And I figured, I figured you I used to really <laughs> like group gatherings and now, mm. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm not capable. I'm less and less capable of having meaning uh, like casual conversations. Yeah. Um, if I am out dancing with friends, like I'll be randomly asking people about like their grandparents or yeah. their, like, <laughs> their faith tradition or, yeah. you know, the geography of their, of their life. And yeah. I want to know deep and real things. And mm. <laughs> I'm with you. I have too many I, questions. I'd rather <laughs> talk to people one-on-one and get to the bottom of what they're experiencing. Yeah. I love that. I think it's important. I think it's yeah. important to know each other and to, to understand each other more. So, you know, we've, we've touched on a few different things, Episcopal church, um, kind of your role within that, uh, your, your role and your, you know, having your role with the LGBTQ plus community. Um, what, how do you find yourself, you know, living in that community and, and, and fostering this environment that you've kind of talked about? What, what does that look like for you? Mm. Um, as someone who received a lot of permission, yeah, always growing up to like question things and to, and always permission to show up as myself. Like yeah. I was rarely censored in meaning my parents let me wear really weird things and they let me be <laughs> weird and myself and um i think part of part of liberating others is just passing on that permission in Mm. some ways um not that anyone needs my permission but um living freely as ourselves yeah is the permission you know so yeah i think a lot of my work is is that like is in modeling that mm-hmm. is in, in encountering barriers and obstacles within churches for instance yeah i mean a lot of churches are like we'll bring me in because they're they're like oh we want to become inclusive of the queer community yeah um and but then you know after a little digging a little bit we hit a wall and there are other issues and um in something that probably does not surprise you at all, like when churches uh, bring me in to like create even a piece of art, mm. um, digging a little deep, a deeper is like there are issues with, you know, in the creative process with a faith community, there are issues connected to, um, you, you know, that that need addressing with acts of anti-racism and Mm. um exploration of 
queerness and yeah. and misogyny and these things are all connected in some way yeah um they all lurk within our hearts and therefore within our organizations yeah um so how do you confront that how do you deal with that oh i ask a lot of questions Uh. um a church that i've worked with for years i finally like i finally was meeting with the board a few weeks ago and um just like casually afterwards in conversation was able to be like hey like now i notice that on your board like it's really cool that your church board has women like that's <laughs> that's very cool but also they're like no young people mm. which is weird since you want more young people and there are no queer people which is weird because you want queer people and there are also like everybody's white so <laughs> what's that yeah. about it's like and, the practice what you preach kind of thing. Like you can say yeah. you want this, but do you really? Because you haven't made any changes to make that like a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we just got to keep asking the questions and yeah. Um, yeah. I find that for as much as my work is about making things, it's also um, just stirring up trouble. <laughs> yeah. Asking those questions. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's that's important. You know, I I it's it's really that's really I like how you put that because when you look at when you look at those things where it's easy to say say the right thing and it's another thing to actually take action on the things you say. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and very few every like every church wants artists and every church wants to be perceived as cool and mm-hmm. very few very few faith communities have the actual willingness to do the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been it's been and again, like this is something that won't surprise you at all, especially considering your work and journey, but like Yeah the longer I work in churches, the more convinced I am becoming that the future of the church is not in church. Mm, Like, yeah, I'm, I go to churches that are like, you know, barely struggling to do the bare minimum around of justice. Mm. And, and then, you know, walk across the street and I'm in these like radically queer spaces that are radically hospitable and constantly pivot to center the most marginalized person there. And, you know, very much reflect caring for each other and, and making sure that everyone has their needs met Mm. and come to find out only one of those places looks like what Jesus had remotely in mind. Yeah. So, um as the church you know um you know there's churches are starting to feel the squeeze and even in my denomination um that has been all you know so expansive and as you know churches that we grew up in would consider it kind of wishy-washy um but even it's starting to like 
buckle down a little bit and feel like the end is near mm. and for it's you know it as a a thing and i don't know like they're getting afraid tricks are getting afraid and more miserly with their love and resources when there's all this expansive abundance like just beyond their doors mm. which it's is like going so... back to what you know when you're like threatened <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah retreating I I... it's retreating <laughs> to like the core of who you are you know it's like i don't know yes. yeah i i think of it in the like um annalise riga yeah. who you remember yeah. she and i were huge uh fans of the film name i don't know if you've seen it but annalise would always quote when you guys were at bethel life is a banquet and most poor sons of bitches are starving to death (laughs) yeah and i think it's true of like like they're like the world is abundant and Mm -hmm. most people in the pews are like dying you know like they just yeah i don't know yeah we just don't interact that way anymore and it, it, it's like the old concept of like adapt or die, you know? And like, if you're not willing to, and it's not that then that's the thing. It's like, it, again, it kind of goes back to like, well, you say you're willing to, but are you willing to like, totally. you know, like, are you willing to take that action? Because you're not. So like talks cheap where what's next, you know? Like, yeah. Um, and I mean, I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing if I didn't see, you know, the possibilities there like oh I, of course I do yeah. have, and and probably with you and i know with tyler like there's i see churches as this like communal ex- expression of imagination okay and yeah. a huge capacity for creativity and justice yeah. to come out of that but obviously like we've just like you've just said like it's failed to live into that mm-hmm. in any kind of or, or it's ceased to be that or you yeah know. the community yeah. piece is like the 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 number one component of religion in church mm. I, in my opinion like there's there's nothing you know my experience that's the one thing in my life that i miss out of oh. out of the church is that community this like camaraderie this you know I, I, but i don't but I'm not interested in going and talking in, in a small group about the Bible, you know? Yes. Yes. Like, I want to talk about other things. I want to talk about real life things. Like, I want to talk about life. And I want I, I want that, you know? And But that's the one thing that I feel like I miss the most is that that feeling of, like, even, I don't know, that there's, like, a connection. There's this, like, community, this camaraderie that you get in some ways. It's that tribal, like, idea, tribal thought or, you know, whatever that is. Um, and I don't know. That's, like, that's the one thing that I really I miss in so many ways. Um, yeah. But I don't know how. And it, like, like, it like deepens it almost reinforces the traumas that we've experienced within mm. church circles yeah. when we have to relinquish the things within those spaces that gave us life. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. That's the one thing that like I've, I've thought about like 
when I decided not to go back to church, I was, you know, I was, uh, or not to go to church. Like that was a big step for me. You know, my dad was a pastor. I grew up in the church, like all this. But when I, when I finally was like, you know what, Shane, it's okay that you don't go to church and you don't have to. And I gave myself permission, you know, and you mentioned that of like giving, you know, kind of giving people permission to be themselves and it's huge. And, and again, no, nobody needs Jonathan Randall Grant's, you know, permission, but if you're the only person to ever give it to them to be themselves, like it's a, it's, it's big, it's important, you know? Yeah. And, you know, for me, that was like, that was my first thing. It was like, it, it, that was my, like, ah, uh, like I, you know what? It's okay. And that was a big weight off my shoulders. And the thing that keeps, keeps me not keeps me. Cause I, I've, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay with who I am and where I'm at these days, you know? Um, but the one thing that I miss, the one thing that it would be like, man, I just moved to a new state, a new city, a new town, a new place. I'm like, how do you meet people? You know, I'm 31 years old. How do I meet people? Where do you go? What do you do? You know, you get involved in your clubs and your groups and your things that you're interested in, but that's easier said than done. It's, it's still hard. You know, you can't just go up to somebody, you know, in college, you, you've got these like built in network, this built in group, this built in tribe that you already like totally surrounded yourself with, you know, and I work from home. So I don't have this like job community that I'm like connected with. So how do I meet people? What do I do? You know, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's lonely sometimes. Like I get very lonely. Like I'm, I'm by myself. Who do I, who do I have to go after that? Like until my wife comes home, sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, I've got great friends. I could text them, but they have lives too. You know, like I can't, you can't, they just can't drop everything at the whim, whimsical, like needs of Shane McNeely, you know? And not that the church could either, but like when you have this thing to fall back on, um, this like, that sounds weird too, but like this, you know, this community that you can like, well, at least I can go and talk about it at my small group on Wednesday or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, yeah. And even it if you don't space for us. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't love it. And if, even if it doesn't feel the most welcoming or there's still something about it, that's like necessary. And it's that need to, to share life with people. And I get that through this podcast, to be completely honest, like being able to like have this conversation with you and have these conversations I get to have with people is, it's awesome. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I get to share life with people and I get it. I get to build this network and this community of people through the podcast. And, um, you know, that's like my own, like that's the part that's self-serving for myself with this, but it's, it's beautiful. And, and that's what I want to share with people. I think that people can take this conversation. I think people can take these conversations. And even if it's just literally what we're talking about of like, man, just ask somebody, dig a little deeper into their life. You know, maybe you and I are the, the anomalies, the, you know, the outliers in some ways of like, man, I, I'm the same way. Like I said, sit down and get talking with somebody. And my wife always talks about like, man, you could talk to a wall. I'm like, yeah, I could. <laughs> but like, I, I want to know more. And sometimes like I have to like hold myself back. Cause I'm like, man, I want to, I want to, you just said you're a divorce, but you've been, you know, whatever it is. And like, man, I want to ask more questions about that. Like, tell me more, yeah. you know? And, uh, I don't know. You just, I think that when we can find that peace, that community and, and 
again that united as one this like group of people where, where people were human beings that regardless of what what we believe or backgrounds or political views or whatever that is even as divisive and polarized as it is like if we can just find our commonalities and find those things i think the world the world would be serve to be a better place totally Hmm. Jonathan, we're getting close to the end here. Something I like to ask people is what are, you know, I like to ask what are three things, but what, what are, what are some things? What is a thing? What is something you want people to know about you? That if somebody was to meet you for the first time, you'd want them to know about you. Oh, it's tough. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it gives you that, like, hmm. Yeah, that is a that is an interesting thing. I think um three three is an acceptable thing. You can you can think of three different things, <laughs> you know? I think I like giving people options. When I go to restaurants, I always ask the waiter or waitress, I'm always like, What are your top three things on the menu? Because if you ask them what their favorite thing is, they're like, Oh, I always have so many. So if you ask them three, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, like, well, I really like this, and I like this, and this one's really good, too. I mean, I, I'm kind of, in some ways, like, if I do meet someone, I'm kind of okay with not being known, or people, like, not knowing anything about me. Yeah. Um, but I think, routinely, the f- I like being perceived as interesting. Mm. so to whatever degree that's true or not i like when people you know like friends will be like this is this is jonathan grant and this is my you know he's the most interesting person i know and i'm like oh the mystery behind you yeah yeah and i i i always i always appreciate those kinds of lead in although you know where do you go from there in a conversation (laughs) but um yeah i i'm always fascinated uh and i have a lot of friends who you know who are interested in um in a, uh, in astrology and sign people's signs and stuff and sure and in that there's you know kind of your the your sign that you're that people perceive you as mm. and the one that you function as mm. and so i think i'm i'm always intrigued by that difference between like what people perceive about me versus who i am inside mm. and I think that's made me very curious about exploring when I meet people, finding out, yeah, who who are they? You know, who is the they that pe- people don't know about them? And yeah, it's intriguing. Yeah, yeah. My wife always talks about. She's like, I've got work Dana, and then I've got like real Dana. And yeah. like when she's at work, she's got this other hat she like puts on, and she's like this different person, you know but she's like more relaxed and doesn't think through the same critical lens and the same like thing when she's at home. And she's like, did you see it? Like, did you see I put work Dana on? Like I put work Dana hat on, you know? And like, yes, I did notice that honey. Like you were very different, but it's, it's yeah. the similar to what you were saying. Like you've got these, like when you go out in public, you know, you put this, like you put this thing on verse when you're sitting at home and, behind a microphone and a phone. <laughs> I don't know. 
yeah, like you're, you're different with the people that you're closest with, with your family, with your friends than you are with the stranger, the person you meet, the, the, the person you are when you walk into the, you know, the church or when you're trying to, you know, get a new installment of art and the museum or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> Hopefully all of those pieces are accurate to the, you know, whatever degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could not be. Yes. My bad. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, it's been so good to chat with you. Absolutely. Jonathan, thank you so much. Anything you want to leave us with? Any way you want to plug your uh, your website and your blog? And Oh, yeah. So grantatchurch.com is my website. Cool. And also my Patreon and my YouTube. Um, so check those out. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're really cool, everybody. If you're listening, please check them out. They're really cool. They've got some really cool videos and art and faith and uh that's what they're titled correctly right yeah yeah and uh yeah i really liked it i checked out your website you know this week actually i've just checked it out since i kind of reached out to you and it's really cool i really like your videos they're awesome they're really well done thanks oh yeah well let's close things out there what do you say cool perfect all right Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate you listening. If you listen this far, again, check out Jonathan's website. Uh, we'll, we'll post that in our page as well. Uh, don't forget, do good. Let's make a difference in this world. Uh, find those ways to, to give back, to do good, to make a difference in the world around you. If you have the time, if you have the, the ability, check out crazyfaceuno.com. We've got some mugs for sale. And we've got a ways for you to donate and to contribute to our cause and what we're trying to create here. If you have that ability, we really appreciate it. Otherwise, like, listen, share to our podcasts. And we'll talk to you next time. All right, everybody. We love you. Peace.